and welcome to Dad Pod. I'm Charlie Clawson, uh, and I'm uh, I'm I'm Osher Ginsberg, and um, an- another week of 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 dadding is is happening here at the here at the ranch. How's uh, how's things with you, Charlie? It's going good. It's going good. Iona's all shot it up, so we've been able to take her out into public a bit more, which has been a new experience for us. Oh, she's had her vaccination, so you're now That's free right. to roam around the, the eastern suburbs of Sydney, where apparently, you know, measles and whooping cough roam <laughs> free as well. Yeah. It's been great. It's actually been good. After six weeks of kind of being more or less housebound, actually being able to go out in public and catch up with friends and all that kind of stuff. So we've done a couple of Sunday lunch type things where we've invited friends to a restaurant and stuff. And yeah. it's been great. She's been really settled. It's uh, We've been really sort of just pleasantly surprised because you sort of don't know. That first sort of trip in our out, we sort of took everything. We took the pram. We took the uh, Ergo Baby, a couple of bottles, all that kind of stuff. It's like we just need to be tooled up. But she's been very chill. We managed to sort of time it around feeds and stuff so she's a bit settled and stuff. What I have found is taking a baby out in public is like hanging out with a celebrity, like a really famous celebrity because all anyone wants to do is come over and meet the person you're with. Like I said, I kept saying to Jen, like, it's a shame I'm not single because having this baby has just made me instantly like much more attractive to females. I carry my daughter around and I attract so much attention from the opposite sex. It's amazing. Well, because you represent safety. You represent uh, virility. You represent a caring partner. I mean, there's got to be some switch. I could also represent a guy who stole someone's baby. (laughs) (laughs) For purposes of picking up, this is true. But yeah. you know what? Then you get an entire podcast made about you, which would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been really good. It's been really good. And she's also just um, much more engaged now. Like I think we sort of mentioned on a uh, couple pods ago that she'd started smiling. Mm. Now she's that's progressing to laughter. Like not not getting the full kind of like thigh slapping laughs, but little chuckles here and there. And it's gorgeous. Like she's waking up with a smile on her face most mornings. I'm still not 100% convinced it's not gay. Uh, because uh, this is something that they don't tell you about. Well, at least no one told me about, but babies fart a lot. To any uh, fathers-to-be out there, get prepared for some uh, uh, Farrelly Brothers-level toilet humour fart noises because it's loud and it's constant. Like I, uh, Gemma and I will often be like dozing. Maybe, you know, we'll bring her into bed with us early in the morning after she's been sleeping in a cot or whatever, and you'll just hear this like – a cacophony of farts and I will hear Gemma chuckling on her side of the bed and then I'll start laughing on my side of the bed. It's like, how can something so small make such a loud noise repeatedly? It's extraordinary and it happens so much in our house that I wrote a whole song about it <laughs> and I sing it to Wolfie. Would you like to hear it? Yeah, please. It goes like this. Trumpet bum, trumpet bum, a Wolfie's got a trumpet bum, he's got a bum and sometimes it goes... <laughs> Sometimes it goes like, sometimes it goes like, sometimes it goes like, a trumpet bum, trumpet bum, a wolfie's got a trumpet bum, he's got a bum, and sometimes it goes, he fucking loves that track. Andy, can you please take that, take those vocals and put it to music and maybe play it at the end of the episode? That'd be amazing. And challenge accepted. I think I found my new ringtone. Uh, it's a great track. Uh, but yeah, he loves it. And yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the trick that I've found with that is to how do you discern regular fart 
Yeah, from something from more shot, uh, yeah. from follow through. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm, I, I do do regular checks, but I think mm. she uh, the the difference between a full nappy and a fart is quite the, the sonically. <laughs> it sounds quite different. <laughs> That sounds very different, but also to it's her reaction because when she feels her nappy, she lets you know straight afterwards that she doesn't like sitting in that, that she wants a change, whereas she's quite happy to just fart and keep going. I mean, part of me thinks that she's enjoying it. Like, I don't know if I've seen a little smile after a particularly loud fart, but I I think that maybe she's doing it. Maybe she's doing it just to get a rise out of me. Well, you mentioned the Farrelly brothers before, and I think those – Gentlemen, they have built an empire, a filmmaking empire based upon, uh, you know, a, bodily functions, a, a true base human instinct. I think the moral psychologist Jonathan Haidt would even agree that humans are born, we're born with certain receptors for morals and values, which makes us more either liberal or conservative, and we're born thinking farts are funny. Yeah. Because I remember Audrey telling me that when Georgia, who's our eldest, she's now nearly 16, when she was two months old, she farted on the change table and laughed. And then it wasn't a, a anomaly because then she farted again and laughed again. <laughs> Farts are funny. They Farts are. are funny. They just are. Well, especially coming from something that is so little and cute because it's sort of yeah. like it's the dichotomy of something so loud. Like I said, she sounds like it's like a tradies fart, but coming from this cute little pink <laughs> baby. Just been on the big M and meat pies all morning, and then just <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and then out comes this. It's unbelievable. I mean, while we're on the topic of uh, bodily functions, so something that I've discovered this week is uh, we've been experimenting more and more with bottle feeding and getting Gemma mm-hmm. out of the house. She's going to go back to work in a couple of weeks, which I'll be taking over some full time daddy duties. Mm-hmm. So we're sort of just like incrementally increasing, you know, the time that I have with her, um, which has been great. But this week, I had my first experience with projectile vomiting. <laughs> oh. Which was a result, I realized, of overfeeding, which I had been warned about by my doula, but I'd ne- I hadn't quite understood, like, you know, what that meant. And so the situation tends to be so – I don't know if Wolfie's the same, but I imagine he is on a similar kind of feeding cycle of, like, every two to three hours, you know, yeah. you'll want to, want to give a boob or a bottle. And so – Jen was out for a few hours and uh, she just before she'd left, she'd given a feed. And so about 90 minutes into her being away, I gave uh, Iona a bottle. She seemed to kind of drink most of it, but then sort of like drifted off into sleep. So I put the rest of it away. And then about 20 minutes later, she woke up. So about an hour beyond that, she started getting a bit grisly again. I couldn't quite settle her, you know, walking her around, a bit of tummy time, no... So I fed her again and then Jem came home and she was still a bit grisly and stuff and so whacked her on the boob and I was sitting the opposite side of the room. And have you seen Team America World Police? Yeah. Have you seen that scene where the puppet is on hands and knees in the alleyway vomiting and it's like a fire hose? Yeah. So I've got my back to Jem. All I hear is, holy shit. And I turn around and our baby, like a hose, is just spewing milk out like about a foot from her face. It was alarming to say the least like it was just so it seemed to be so effortless like she didn't seem to be like putting any she wasn't dry reaching or anything she just had her mouth open and vomit was flying out across the room so what i'd come to realize is that she'd had a lot of milk 
And what she really needed in that moment wasn't me to give her a second bottle in that gap, was just some settling. Yeah. Because after she got that milk out of her body, I picked her up and I took her up and down the hallway because we have – I, at the moment, I have about three kind of go-to techniques when it comes to settling. One is kind of like a, an upright, walk up and down the hallway with a bit of a jiggle. The other one is more of a cradling motion with a bit of a pacifier, mm. you know. And then the third one, if I'm really feeling like she needs some hardcore settling, is I get on the exercise ball and do, we do some vigorous bouncing. Yeah, I love that. And once I did that, she was gone. And I was like, oh, I think I've fallen into a trap of, oh, settle her with a bottle. Uh, because that seems to be the quickest way because something goes into the mouth, she seems to want it, and, you know, she's a baby. She's like, okay, it's feeding time. But what I realised was I hadn't really been cognisant of the time frame because if I had really thought about it, I would like, well, hang on, she had a bottle an hour ago, another bottle, and now an hour after that. It was too much. Basically, she had, uh, you know, twice as much as she would normally have in a five-hour period. Yeah. What you're saying is don't be lazy. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, just I, I think, I, I, yeah, exactly. Don't be lazy. Don't go straight to the bottle. I think what I realized is the bottle would be the last resort rather than being the go-to mm. if I'd got mm. her up. Because I think I'm pretty confident in my settling abilities now that if I can't get her down in about 10 minutes or at least get her chill in about 10 minutes, then maybe she's hungry or, you know, yeah. check nappy, settle, yeah. Go yeah. to the bottle. And even before yeah. the bottle, pacifier, because sometimes yeah. it is just a kind of uh, a comforting thing. Just want to suckle. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. It is interesting cleaning up breast milk, isn't it? Because yeah. that's it's then it's just, wow, here's this liquid that came out of my wife, been inside my baby and is now on my couch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank God it's a white couch. Yeah. <laughs> well, not, yeah. The dogs are like sniffing it. What is that? And it's just, yeah, it's a trick to, to clean it all up. We were talking to uh, other friends of ours who they've got a one-year-old now, but, you know, we sort of said, like, it was so unexpected because we hadn't seen it before and it was like, Mm. it's powerful, man. Like, it's like a real power chuck. And so we were saying to them what had happened and they said they had exactly the same response. Like, they'd never seen it before. Everything had been fine. But when it happens, you're like... Is my baby possessed by a demon? <laughs> is, that what, is that what's happening here? Uh, she's working on that very important muscle that is just going to lie dormant for 18 years and then at school this week when they try to kill her for the first time, <laughs> it returns. <laughs> <laughs> so in our house this week, we've made a bit of a bit of a shift as far as, you know, let's talk. keep talking about uh, excrement. Yeah, We've made a bit of a shift as far as nappies go. Okay. We, you know, try and do what we can as far as buying the most environmentally friendly disposable nappies because some of them can be incredibly non-biodegradable. Some of them take, I don't know, hundreds of years to degrade because they're made full of plastic and there's all gels inside them and there's all, all, all kinds of stuff. So we, we try and buy – Audrey's got these – ordered some off the internet that are all made out of plants and, and biodegrade really well and stuff like that. But it's still – it's a lot of landfill, you know. So we've started using these kind of new, super modern, but yet still cloth nappies Mm. where the outside is almost like a plastic shell yeah, and the inside is some kind of I don't know what the fiber is, but it's this, this absorbent, super absorbent fiber. Mm. It's got quite a great amount of uh, elasticity around the waist and uh, around the legs. And basically, the idea is like once they poop in it, or once they wee in it, you then kind of scrape the poop out into the toilet, 
and you put it in a essentially like a it's called a dry pail, which is a very American word, but it's it's just a bucket with a lid on it, right? Right. And put it in a in a wash bag, like your your partner might put her delicate kind of yeah. bras and things in a wash bag. Her unmentionables. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, poopy nappies, and you just run it through the machine, and then you put it in the sunlight, and the sunlight disinfects it, and then bobs you. You're good to go once right. more. Is the lining disposable? The thing that catches the poop? No, it's it's an all in one thing. You just use it again. Right, that's awesome. Yeah, you just use it again. It's just it's made of this particular kind of material that is is quite absorbent, uh, so it wicks the wee away from the body. And uh, the poop comes off it pretty easily. Most of the poop comes off it pretty easily, and the rest all comes out in the in the machine. But how to to do the nappy up? Is it like it's not like an old fashioned nappy where you're using like it's Velcro bobby pins and stuff? Is it like uh, safety pins? No, it's space age. It's Velcro. Okay, right. So it's just as fast to kind of do it up oh, and yeah, take it's, it off. It's very, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's very quick to, to get it on and take it off. Because I don't know if you know, Osh, but I've got these fat little Irish fingers. And so <laughs> I find like doing anything that requires finesse, like even with some of uh, Iona's jumpsuits, she's got these tiny little buttons. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, if anyone is going to buy us <laughs> any more baby clothes, just big tabs, just big claspy buttons because I can't right. handle these fiddly little things. So if I had to do a safety pin up on the side of a nappy, I'd be like, oh, God. No, there's none of that, man. It's okay. uh, it's these big Velcro tabs that are really good. And one thing I will say for these reusable nappies, which are really quite good so far, is that they have proven to be more resilient against a poop explosion, or as Ed Cavalier <laughs> would put it, a punami than any of the disposables. Because Wolf has done shits that he's ended up with poo between his shoulder blades. There's that much wow. explosive force behind his output that the poo will shoot right up the back of the nappy and end up at the base of his neck. And you just have to like, I'm, well done. I'm not bad. I mean, I'm impressed. In the words of Ron Burgundy. Well done, son. But yeah, there was a there was one poo that was so massive that Audrey just basically took Wolfie and after the cleanup, she just ba- in the shower with the baby. She, yeah, yeah. Both of them had to have a shower at the same time because it was just shit everywhere. <laughs> and so far, these nappies have the elasticity is not so much that it marks the skin, but it has managed to contain this kind of hull. There's been no hull breaches is what I'm saying. That's fantastic. It's, it's pretty impressive. And so did you, could you get that at any, do you have to order that online or can you get it at any store in Australia? Yeah, yeah. She ordered them, uh, she ordered them online. Hang on, let me just, Bambino Mio is what they're called. And they're super cute. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not like when my youngest brother was, I was, I'm old enough to have changed my youngest brother's nappies and this was in the early 80s. So it was cloth and chucks and nappy pins and a bucket and bleach and it was a whole malarkey and right. it was full on. I remember it being quite intensive and, you know, when I look at now and I see how many nappies we go through every day, like Ed, He's now, you know, he's nearly 40, but... And he's still changing his nappies? No, 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 no. His wife does that now. Uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, no, he, he does it himself. It, just <laughs> how many he would go through each day would have been colossal. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's quite a revelation to have these things in our house, which is pretty good. We still use the disposables when we head out at this point, but when we're at home, we're using these these all-in-one kind of reusables, and so far, it's pretty good. Awesome. Charlie, I think uh, I've got a dad lined up who's um, he's a bit of a hero dad in my eyes. I've known him for a very long time and 
he was one of the first guys. Would you say he's your idol? <laughs> as far as fathers go, today, yes. James Matheson, it's Osher Ginsberg and Charlie Clawson calling. Oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? Good, man. Good. Where do we find you? Me and my car. <laughs> I just dropped children at school and daycare. Amazing. Is this just like a few precious moments of quiet for you in your day? Uh, yeah, so I was spending it in a car park of Woolworths on Twitter. Um, <laughs> that's how I relax these days. <laughs> uh, Charlie, I do have to say that J- James knows this, but it was um, when I first came back to Australia to do Bachelor, um, I went to a big, like a, a second birthday, and it was a bunch of friends that had all bad babies together, and there was like the just the conglomeration of battle prams and baby bags and like all the accoutrements and just like thousands of dollars worth of gear and all these kids around and across this park rolls James Matheson with a baby in crook of his neck and a swaddle and that was it and I was like man barefoot like that's that I like that vibe and so I've kind of looked to Jim for the kind of minimalist parenting situation since I love that you've got a podcast about being a dad and you've just had babies it's like (laughs) 14-year-old who's got their L hosting Top Gear. Hey, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Well, that seems to be a very common response from the dads who call in. They're mocking us. Like, we don't have any idea what we're in for. I think Adam Spencer was laughing at the developmental leaps happening in our babies. And, yeah, and and we went number one. So I think people are interested to hear the the car crash of us trying to attempt it. It's brilliant. Well, the topic I want to talk about, which I feel does not get discussed enough, because I never heard about this before I had my baby, but babies fart so much. Like, it is nonstop. It's like that campfire scene from Blazing Saddles in my house at the moment. (laughs) All night my baby is farting. Why why is this not discussed pre-baby? How come no one brings this up? Um, I think like there's heaps of other way more important stuff. Um, so that's probably towards the bottom of the list of things that people are concerned about, the flatulence coming out of a child. But, you know, it's never had food before, dude. It's like it's been living in a little cocoon, just excreting, you know, whatever it needs to and just absorbing everything else it needs to. And now it's got food in its belly. You know, have you ever done a fast, Charlie? Yes, I have. But something so small makes a noise so loud. I don't understand the physics of it. Mm, Yeah. At the end of a fast, when you eat food, I mean, your belly's like on fire. It's making all sorts of noises. So I guess that sort of thing. So is your question... Why does no one talk about how much baby fart? Is that the question? Yeah, my, my wife and I were completely taken by surprise. When we first heard it, we were like, that was so loud. And then it, it, I felt like I was living with my grandfather again. It was just like <laughs> constant farting. It's like of all the things you get told in all the prenatal classes and the calm birth, no one ever brings up that. No, you're right, Charlie. That should be the top of the list in all the prenatal classes, I think. They need to reprioritize. But instead of making it about safety, bringing them home, what to expect, supporting your mother, the mother, ensuring that breastfeeding is as comfortable as possible, stocking the house with nutritious gifts, staying an intuitive parent, they should at the top have, look, guys, this is the one thing you need to know. The newborn is going to fart a lot. And we're going to cover that over the next four to six weeks of this parenting course, just so we can hammer that home, because I think you'll find that that's the most important element of having a new human. 
So, yeah. I mean, I think Dr. Spock, is that the guy yeah, who wrote the, the world-famous parenting guide? I think he went on to do three or four volumes just on the flatulence of the child. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it, it's an important point, Charlie. I'm, I'm really glad you raised it. It's been great chatting <laughs> to you guys, and good luck with the podcast. James, you are, you're, you're a man who... Um you try to be as conscious about your choices uh, as as you can be. You and your partner, you you try to buy things that minimise impact. What did you guys do around around nappies and and things like that? We just shoved our guilt so far deep inside us <laughs> um, with exhaustion and fatigue that we never had to deal with it. <laughs> but the reality was that was one of the choices that we made that we just couldn't countenance doing the alternative. And the, the horrible thing is they are horrific for the environment, but there is a point where you're like, we're exhausted. You know, we've already got another kid. It's hard enough as it is. Are we really going to deal with having cloth nappies and just shit everywhere thinking the place out so yeah you just sometimes have to compromise that was definitely one of the ones where we did there are other things you can use there are those sort of uh semi-disposable liners which aren't as bad so they're sort of like little nappy pants and you just sort of have to wash one little bit instead of washing the entire shit-filled nappy i mean this is what our parents yeah like that should be the top of the list as well like asking your parents like what did you guys do before disposable nappies Often we're like, oh, my God, it's so hard. I'm so tired. It's so difficult. But talk to your parents about, like, what was really like you know, raising children without all the mod cons. And then it's a great way to pull yourself out of your own bullshit and go, actually, we've got it really good, you know. If there's a night where we are so flawed that we can't bother cooking, we can press a button on our phone and food can get delivered to our door. Like, our parents couldn't yeah. do that. If we don't want to wash shitty nappies, we can just run to a Seven Eleven like at 2 a.m. and grab stuff. Yeah. You know, our parents couldn't do that. And so with the pressures of modern society, things have a different element of stress. But in terms of raising kids in the Western world, you know, in Australia, it's probably as easy as it's ever been for a parent. So, yeah, we should count ourselves pretty lucky. And James, a serious question, moving on from the fart topic, I've realized uh, I've had to develop a a fairly uh, diverse repertoire of settling techniques. Uh, What worked two weeks ago doesn't seem to be working this week. Do you have any advice in terms of like settling techniques? Have you seen that? There's a couple of great videos online with people uh, like stroking down the face of kids. What? I don't know if you've seen them really gently stroking like from the back of a kid's head down their face really gently a few times. Have a look at those because, like, there's something that puts the kid in a semi-trance-like state. Mm. It doesn't work for all kids. Like you would hypnotise a chicken. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never done that, Max Walker. Thanks, though. Um, I'm not sure exactly what that entails, but yeah, the, the thing is it does change all the time and they're like, ah, oh, shit, I've cracked it. I'm a fucking legend. Yeah. And then you're right. A few weeks later, that doesn't work anymore. You know what is like super helpful and it's not always possible, but 
Like just keeping the place as calm as possible. I'm not talking about soothing music or white noise. I'm, I'm talking about your relationship with anyone who's living in the house and not just for you and your partner, but you might have in-laws staying or you might have your own parents staying to help out. Like kids are, even at that age, are just crazy intuitive. Mm. So if there is stress or tension or anything bubbling along within your relationship or within anyone who's staying in the house or anyone who's just been in the house that day, it sounds crazy, but they can just clock that energy and take it on and it will unsettle them. So just, I think that's a massive element that is overlooked and it's really sort of dismissed because it's not measurable. We can't measure, you know, how much tension or stress is in the house. And we think, oh, if we just use a soft voice, the kid won't know, but they are like these energy sponges Mm. and, um, yeah, an ability to keep a zen-like environment at home will actually impact how well they can settle and how well they can just drop into, you know, their own settlement. You're absolutely right. I watched Audrey do it when Wolfie was being super fussy and just like in a boob fight, just didn't want to get on the boob and just super angry, super cranky. And I just watched Audrey go, she even said it. She goes, I'm just going to change my energy. She breathed in. And she breathed out super slowly. And as I watched her body relax, I watched Wolfie's body relax. And then, boom, he was on the boob just like that, like magic. And since that point, yeah, you're absolutely right, Jimmy. We've both been really trying to be as aware as we can around that. But that is super good advice because I certainly have noticed that when other people do come over, whether it be in-laws or people come for a visit, you know, his vibe changes rapidly. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, like, because we're we're grown-ups, we forget that. We forget that like super intuitive part of ourselves and we just have developed a way to take on different cues from people. You know, most of the cues we take from people now are like verbal or sort of micro expressions or the the type of language they use. So we don't have that ability that they have innately to just clock what's going on Mm. and how they should be reacting. Like they're wild animals at that stage and it's amazing to learn from them what that ability can allow you to do. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's all I would recommend. And, um, you know, or Mathindal. Is that, um, <laughs> is, that, is that what my mum gave me? Fenergan. I think you mean Fenergan. Fenergan. Mathindal. If you give Mathindal to a kid, that would be very bad. Don't do that. If you're listening, do not do that. Oh, Mathindal. Is that like for when you've got migraines? That, when you've got your wisdom teeth out. Okay. Yeah. This is turning <laughs> it's like out. a monster yeah. pain. Oh, door. yeah. No, no, don't give you that. Don't, you don't want to do that. I think what you want to do is just take the pacifier and dip it in whiskey <laughs> and put it in the baby's mouth. I think that's the technique. Yeah, I mean, quick, we're going to get Pete Evans pretty soon. <laughs> you know, someone's going to take a line from this and it's going to run in the Daily Mail. Yeah, yeah. if I rub activated almonds on his gums, he's fine. Is that that's what you do, right? That's how bone it broth. Works. It's bone broth. I bone <laughs> broth intravenously. Oh man, if I could, yeah, if I could find a vein, I'd put the main line broth. <laughs> But, um, yeah. Uh, Jimmy, we don't want to interrupt the rest of your, your, your peace and quiet. We'll leave you to sit alone in your car in a Woolworths car park and fiddle on Twitter <laughs> to give you your quiet time for the day. Uh, but enjoy it because it's like the craziest, most awesome, as you know, magical period of your life. And I say to everyone, they're like, what's it like? And I'm like, it makes everything I've ever done in my life 
feel about this small, like a grain of sand, like compared to the enormity of having a human life in your house. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Oh, the only thing I think would say is like, don't go on Google for anything <laughs> and like really encourage your partner not to go on Google for anything. It's full of fucked up mummy forums who are freaking out about the tiniest little thing. And when you do that, you surrender your own intuition. You, Charlie, yes. and you, Osher, of course, you know what to do. You actually do. But we're conditioned to think that we don't. We know what to do. But we're like, oh, my God, there's a red spot on its thigh. What? It, <laughs> it must be something serious. Look, if they haven't shat for a couple of days, maybe, if their fever's off the charts, if they've gone pale, maybe start freaking out. If you connect to that part of yourself that has all that knowledge, you already know what to do. And if you're busy stressing or Googling, you detach from that. And I think that's a real shame. So love it. Awesome. Let's talk like in 20 years when we actually have grown up kids and we can see how badly we've fucked them up. Amazing. Yeah. When we're fighting for water on the Fury Road, (laughs) we can do a follow up podcast. (laughs) You're the best ever, Jimmy. Thanks for talking to us today, man. All right. Love you guys. See ya. If you do want to get in touch with us, you can always email us, askdadpod at gmail.com. Maz sent us an email and he said, I thought of this hearing the birthing stories that you guys both told. Whilst all births are unique, horrific and wonderful in their own special way, my wife and I had our second baby in the car on the way to the hospital on Old South Head Road in Bondi, quite the cleanup afterwards. Holy cow. <laughs> Man, I've, we've got to get this guy on the phone. I would love to hear that story because when, when I did that calm birth course with Audrey, they said, if you have your baby in the car, it means everything's perfect. You know, right. that means there's nothing gone wrong. Everything's fine. The body's just ready to go. So I'd, I'd love to hear about that. Mainly like, what do you put on the birth certificate as place of birth? What, you put like Bondi Tony's Bar and Grill as like, what do you do? They do a really good shake there. Probably. Well, the thing is, uh, when you have a baby, even if it's a car in Bondi, the landlord charges you exorbitant rent. <laughs> this is very true. This is, this is really true. And there's a line of people out the front waiting to rent at the moment you live. Uh, right. So we'll try and get Maz on in coming episodes, uh, I think, for sure. Yeah, let's do it. All right, Ash, we're at the end of the show, so that means we're going to induct someone into a Hall of Fame, and so I thought I'm going to go with a real personal nomination this time around. Uh, as a kid growing up, my favourite cartoon was the Transformers, and there was no greater father figure than Optimus Prime. Leader of the Autobots, <laughs> kind, wise, brave, constantly fighting the evil Decepticons. I really did look up to Optimus Prime, because if you could have a dad who could also turn into a truck... I mean, <laughs> what else do you want? How much better can it get? <laughs> he had a he had a he had a he had a, a family to look after, particularly Bumblebee, who was his kind of uh, uh, adopted son in a way. Yes, this is true. But really, when it comes down uh, to fathers, who can beat someone whose uh, life is summed up by "You got the touch." You've, yeah. you got the power. What a song, too. And, and I'm just as you're describing him there, I'm just pulling up some Optimus Prime quotes because as a dad, he had some pretty cool shit to say. And, you know, as a dad, he would say, like, I can't do the voice. Um, <laughs> Give it a shot. Come on. Uh, so... 
<laughs> like, for example, this is a this is like you can you, you know the Optimus Prime is a great dad because he always had some really. Remember at the in the eighties there was always like kind of like moral epilogue at the very end yeah. of every cartoon to try and indoctrinate children of the world into you know better behavior. And Optimus yeah. Prime would say things like, "You didn't betray me, you betrayed yourself," <laughs> which is like. That's a total, total dad thing to say. Or like, say, for example, after, you know, I take G to water polo and they, and they don't win, Optimus Prime would say, we've suffered losses, but we've not lost the war. <laughs> I mean, and, and like Optimus Prime, Optimus Prime, things are tough right now. Optimus Prime says, fate rarely calls upon us at a moment of our choosing. Like, the guy I is mean, just wise. Full Come of wisdom and, and, and cliches, you might say. Yeah. And there's more to him than meets the eye. Let's be honest. <laughs> Optimus Prime, Dad Pod salutes you. Excellent episode of Dad Pod today, Charlie. A reuniting of sorts. I'm very happy. Who's on the show next week? Roger Corsa. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Doctor Doctor himself. Oh, yeah. And he's, got, and he's got heaps of kids too, so he'll be, he'll be full of great He'll have lots to say. Lots to say. Uh, until then, go to bed. Trumpet bum, trumpet bum, a wolfie's got a trumpet bum, he's got a bum and sometimes it goes, sometimes it goes like, sometimes it goes like, sometimes it goes like, a trumpet bum, trumpet bum, a wolfie's got a trumpet bum, he's got a bum and sometimes it goes,